We just want to party. Party just for you. We just want the money. Money just for you. I know you want to party. Party just for me. Girl, you got me dancing. Dance and shake the frame. This is America. (laughs) Welcome to the Reed Brothers Podcast. Where we discuss faith, culture, and and all things awesome. as people that talk about things that are important, we've found immense, um, how should I say, prophetic importance and symbolism in this piece of of art, specifically the video and corresponding song. Um, So we want to discuss it because it's important. So we could nerd out on some of the music. We could nerd out on some of the symbolism. We could nerd out in a lot of different directions, but... We're just going to have to do that because it warrants our discussion. So dive in with us. We heard this song, This is America, Childish Gambino. Many, Most of you guys have seen the video. If not, pause, go to YouTube yeah, or the don't do intro net. Just go there right and now watch and watch this, this video. video. This is America by Childish Gambino. It might be intense for you. There's strong language and all that stuff for some of our Christian friends that are that are listening to this. Uh, if you have a hard time with some of that, those things, uh, there's violence in it. There's language that's not healthy sometimes for people. But you know what? Do it anyway if you can. If you have grace for it, do it because it's it's important. Um, it's important to go there and to see what where our culture's at and not just bury our heads in the sand and pretend like everything's roses. I'm pretty sure that it's still number one on the the Billboard charts right now, to the best of my knowledge. And if not, it it has been number one for some time. So this is in... It's the number one song we respect right now in our list of songs that we respect. Uh, It's it's a song, and it, it comes with a music video, and the music video made way for the song, and the video has a lot of symbolism that's going on so when you're watching the video uh there's a lot of well there's jim crow imagery there there's definitely gun imagery and lyrics that that question guns and uh there's at one point of violence in the back choir that's singing and they are shot with an automatic rifle type of a thing. And there's an apocalyptic horse rider guy. Yeah, a rider point. on a white horse yes. in the background. Um, let's see. There's also his his wardrobe is very Fela Kuti inspired. Um, who, if you are not familiar, again, just pause and just go listen to music that's good for your soul. Um, so that's, that's 
kind of like this African big band leader who is a stud. Um, so there's a lot of that. Um, there's also imagery of like horror movie esque running for your life at the mm-hmm. end. Um, and throughout the out. entire video, there's dancing. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of rioting and chaos, mayhem, mischief that's going on in while the background. Yeah. lighthearted dancing. Yes. That all takes place in a very white industrial complex. Mm-hmm. So that exists. Um, so those are some of the elements. We won't like do a, a frame-by-frame breakdown or anything like yeah. that. Uh, just watch the thing. But And there's a whole lot of commentaries. Just read the internet uh, if you dive down into that. And it, there's so many different things that are coming out of that. But uh, we've been touched by it in, in a lot of different ways because um, it's – it brings up like this is America. This is where we're at. This is and this is a perspective on America. It's not this all inclusive. That's the only thing that happens in America at all. But it's this very unique, um, like black perspective on what's happening in America right now, and that viewpoint is precious to us as two white guys that live in a pretty white city, but you know that also love. One, black culture. There's a lot of black culture that's touched me deeply as even, mm-hmm. you know, I, I studied jazz music, which was, you know, very in, indigenous to America. And there was a lot of assimilation early on in jazz music, but a lot of influences are, are, are you know, Afro-Cuban inspired and are very much from, from you know, a lot of African culture that's mixed in. So it's got us thinking a lot. We've, we In fact, we, we talked for, I don't know, probably two hours or something like that before we even started this about like, how do we approach such a thing with honor and grace? We don't want to offend people. We don't want to feel like we're the out of touch white dudes talking about something that we have no business talking about. In an ivory tower of, you know, like (laughs) white, uh, what is it? Privilege. Privilege. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the viewpoint that we want to portray. Um, And we also want to be realistic that we are not African-American. We are white dudes. Spoiler alert. We are In case you didn't know. And and so we don't want to take the the viewpoint that we totally understand what other people are going through. We want to be those that are listening to the voices of those who represent African-American struggles and trials and are willing to talk about that. And so one of the things that we really loved about the video and about this song is that it takes a lot of the ideas and a lot of the things that are on people's hearts and things that people are upset about. And instead of just getting on a soapbox and a megaphone and preaching and attacking other people about it. It's done in this way that is artistic and is, in a lot of ways, it's shocking to people who are not as in touch or familiar with the ways of life. Um, It's interesting, we were talking about the show Atlanta, who is starred in and directed and produced, I believe, all by Donald Glover, who is the Childish Gambino, the same guy Mm -hmm. who wrote the song. He has a show... And one of the scenes in the show, he's actually talking, or he's, it's this, you know, 30s, you know, in his 30s, young black guy, and he has some $100 bills, and he's trying to go 
like buy things and people constantly suspect yeah, him, him of, of having fake fake yeah. money because how could a young black guy be paying for things in a hundred dollar bills and he was just kind of asking people like what's going on why don't why don't you guys believe me and they were like this is just how the world is you know it's it's nothing against you man it's just this is kind of how the world is we just need to check and make sure and do a little marker thing or whatever and and i thought it was a funny analogy for struggles that we ourselves the two of us Mm -hmm. and a lot of you know more affluent you know white culture in general doesn't understand some of the trials and so our viewpoint in our heart posture behind this episode of the Reed Brothers podcast is to say, we're going to listen. Yeah, We're going to be ones that are listening and are going to be as empathetic as possible. And there's, uh, I know a lot of people who are well-meaning that are coming from our perspective that we can a- actually portray um, that want to listen and want to help and want to come alongside the pain and the struggle and carry the burden and to love the love people like Christ loves people. And so we look at this video and we are trying to be introspective of ourselves. How have we contributed to the problem and the different issues that are brought up and how can we be part of the solution? And there's a lot there's it's such a touchy issue uh-huh. that for a lot of people we don't even know where to start so we're a couple of white dudes in the suburbs of Detroit who love Detroit we yes. love motown we're musicians we love funk and we love jazz and there's so much about black culture that we love and we want to support and we want to embrace and we also don't want to to be appropriating culture in a way that's inappropriate or is going to cause defensiveness and is going to be taken the wrong way. And so we want to bring up some of these issues and talk about them in a way that's honest and is thoughtful and is really trying to come alongside and find some solutions and some progress out of that. So one of the things that we were discussing and might happen in this podcast is... Uh, the idea of us doing the song This Is America. And as soon as we talked about the idea of us covering that song, it was like, whoa, wait a second. Are we like in blackface right now? You know, like wh- how, what is this? Where is the line? Are we allowed to touch the song? Is it is it so far that, you know, that us even doing like emulating this piece of art, covering it out of respect, out of love for the the work that it is, like, would that immediately make it like this statement that, you know, that we're, we're, not, we're not taking it seriously? And then we started talking about even doing it funny. Um, one of the conversations that's been going ongoing is that humor is really fair game anywhere. 
we've really started talking about the idea that like we can be funny about anything and like you can bring humor into even the darkest places of life. And uh, actually that's kind of where humor can shine in a lot of ways mm-hmm. is in, in things that are dark. And so we started talking about doing the song in the most white way possible. Like in the, like how, what about if we did, don't get you me, don't, you know, this is America. Don't make, don't get you slipping up now. You know, like just like the white, <laughs> like Uber white, like whiter than we'd even want to do it. And just like square. Um, but if that, if that, is what people hear like is that offensive then immediately like are we not allowed to to go there like it gets it, it's such a a fascinating place um to be an admirer and and to be one that's listening to this perspective but then also being self-aware enough to say well we don't want to dishonor and we don't want to be ones that are just appropriating um out of context and, and all of that and uh and kind of ripping off black culture as well like that we don't want to be elvis you know we we want to honor chuck berry and let him be chuck berry you know mm-hmm. like we we don't want to be a finer sides on ourselves on that side but at the same time we love the what black culture has to offer and and we want to see america be saturated in that more so you know one of the things we've been discussing is that one of the beautiful things about America is that ideas come here and like cultures come here and they get swirled up into this thing that's now American. You know, like there is no indigenous American cuisine. It's like there's yeah. nothing more American than pizza, which is this food group that we've completely bastardized from uh, from Italian Americans, which, you know, were very much minorities. And so to this country, then you, you take that food. So like, was it cultural appropriation that brought us pizza that now is like the most American thing? Like I can't imagine a town in America without a, you know, a, a pizza shop that, and I don't just see people like Anglo-Saxons eating pizza, you know, like there's also like, it's like, it's everybody. Like you could be sitting next to anybody and eating pizza mm-hmm. or Chinese food is the most American thing I can think of where it's like, there's nothing more American than our version of Chinese food, which has nothing to do with food that they eat in China. For the most part, it's this different version of it. Like, so we mess all this stuff up in a way, but we also make it ours. And then it's, it's what it is. Personally, I'd rather eat American style pizza than Italian pizza all day, every day. But I like traditional pizza as well. I like traditional Chinese food as well. So it's, it's, I say all that to say it, at what point is assimilation is appropriation assimilation where where do we get to the place where we go we we want to live lives together you know we live right down the street where you go to the same churches we hang out like at at what point is it appropriation and at what point is it you know actually honoring the stuff that's in the culture and how do you do that with a heart posture that wants to benefit both parties and not just steal things and then capitalize on it ourselves because i think that's when colonialization looks really plain you know if it's like if you're stealing the royalties from black artists and not paying them equal money you know like in the record industry we could see the timeline of when that happened really easily but now as for ourselves like can we do a white version of this is america (laughs) like are we allowed to do that like what where are the lines at and um I don't know. Does it matter even too? Is another point, I guess.
Well, I think the big thing of what we are identifying, particularly about this song, but also that really irks us in a way in terms of justice, in terms of the Lord's economy and the kingdom of heaven, is thinking about some of the social and political statements that are really on the surface for African-American culture that for a lot of the more majority culture is not on the radar. You have issues like, um, you know, young black men that are gunned down by police and you have a system of inequality where minorities are arrested and incarcerated at a staggeringly higher percentage Mm -hmm. than, you know, white Caucasian people are you, you start to question, you see how there's correlations there and how there is some sort of systemic racism that's in the system. And where do you start? And just pointing it out, you know, so you have uh, things like Donald Trump this past week that the uh, Atlanta Falcons won the Super Bowl and they were going to go to the White House, which is customary, and there were so few players that actually wanted to go to the White House that Donald Trump canceled and actually took back his offer for the football team to come. And part of the thing was about kneeling and protesting during the national anthem at um, you know, NFL football games. And the whole issue was to raise awareness that there is some prejudice within the system where there's different treatment based on the color of your skin in terms of our legal system, which I think statistically is just empirical. The amount of of African-American men, particularly young men, that are arrested and incarcerated and put in prison specifically for drug abuses, minor nonviolent drug offenses, is staggeringly out of control to where it, it very much looks like a symptom of something that's off track is wrong. And the difference in the way police officers treat people based on the color of their skin. And I know that there's a lot of factors and it's a complex issue and we don't want to beat up on police, but to shut people down from protesting and bringing awareness to an issue I think is one of the most un-American things that you can do. Yeah, no doubt. And it's it's actually, I think the bigger problem too is that both viewpoints just are missing each other. Yeah. It feels like there's like this gaping communication breakdown where you've got on one side the player saying, listen, we believe that our lives matter. Like that's pretty much it. Like as much, I don't want to get real political on the origins of Black Lives Matter and what that is and like the failings of the that movement itself politically but just the idea that it's like we want to say that our lives are are important they matter that's so basic like just saying they matter is so small it's like and, and yet we want to be like but no all lives matter like but you can't no they don't matter any more than our lives and it's like that's not the point that's missed that's you've missed the, the point of the whole thing now mm-hmm. and the same thing with like so when you've got football players that are kneeling during the national anthem and you've got this you know the far right that's saying that's so un-american how dare they do that you know i'd fire them all and all this stuff where it's like if they because they're doing that they're disrespecting america and and wait a second it's like 
hold hold that. I I I honor what America is. I know that most of the time that comes from it seems like people to me it it comes from people that immediately tie that to all this visceral stuff. Like that's an attack on the troops. Yes. People in their families that have served and maybe even died in wars. And they're like, I, I, you know, my family died for, for that national anthem. And it's like, no, it didn't. (laughs) No, it didn't. That's a song. It's an old English drinking song actually. And it's not even a very good one at that, quite frankly, but it's a song, and it represents America in in some ways, but it also is just a song. And it's a time where these – I think it's a brilliant move that these athletes knelt and or said, okay, if you care more about this song than you do about our lives, we've got an issue. Mm-hmm. And immediately we miss that whole point, and we go, well, then you should just fire them, and, you know, fine, they won't go to the White House, and all this stuff. And it's like – guys aren't even speaking the same language you're not you're yeah. missing each other in, in communication it's like their lives obviously matter and actually what your relatives died to save was the idea of america of freedom of being able to express your viewpoints without being attacked and killed and gunned mm-hmm. down in the streets and actually protests specifically nonviolent protests are something that have always been protected by america there's like very few things that are more american than protesting leadership than protesting the powers that be mm-hmm. so like in in that to me it, it's we're, we're missing it well, like even the president of the United States is missing it. And and I don't want to get political, but I'm going to just like sidebar for a second. If you then see that comment as like not valuing the president or whatever, like I hear this rhetoric too being floated around that it's like you if you say anything bad about Trump, it's like you're not honoring the office of prophet or uh, <laughs> office of prophet. You're not <laughs> honoring of the office of presidency of the presidency which is hilarious to me because there's nothing like immediately saying a statement like that it tells me you've elevated the office of presidency to be a king and that is completely un-american like if there's anything that the framers made clear by the office of presidency to me is that this is almost a figurehead position that should be challenged regularly. Like they should have very limited powers. You know, it was very clear what the office of president was supposed to be. And he was not to be the king. And it's not to be this untouchable figure that we honor. And that if we challenge, we're, we're challenging the entire system. That's a mm-hmm. king. And that's a monarchy. And that's not what America is. That's not what America has ever been. Like we challenge authority in America. And that's a, actually a healthy thing. Especially if we do that in a nonviolent way, in a way that's... That's not just causing more problems for causing problems sake, but it's it's actually saying, hey, there's an injustice here. We need to deal with this. And if you're not going to listen to us, we're going to have to find ways that you listen. So when we keep shutting down the communication, uh, when people want to bring up things like that, I find that to be very un-American, actually. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really important to this issue that what is being an American. So the idea that this there's a song that says this is America and what 
what are we viewing America to stand for? What does the flag represent? What does the, the national anthem represent? And it should be ideas of equal opportunity. It should be ideas. I love the American dream. I think the idea that you can come here, that from all over the world, people immigrated for an opportunity to have better lives and to have religious freedom and to have freedom of speech and to be able to practice and pursue the things that they were passionate about. I believe that that is what makes America great. That is what makes America great. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's really difficult when you see all of the historical things even about America that are talk about cultural appropriation and destruction, that there are parts of America's history that are really messy and are really dirty. And we like know, mostly all of them. <laughs> we know that like a lot of wars and you know a, a lot of uh, America's priorities for a while had been um, to really protect liberty and different things in a way that became authoritarian and be- and actually attacked other people's liberty in a, in a strange like paradoxical way. Um, but what it what this song and what this season is really about and should be about for all Americans is to really begin to listen to one another. And it's not to just create this snowflake culture and of people that are, we're all scared to say anything about anything because we're going to get attacked. You know, like I think both sides of the aisle, what we should want is to be able to have more purposeful dialogue. And what, what have we come to? that even just sitting down and talking about how do we how do we go after racism in our system because it's not we have we're not segregated anymore i mean there was a time in our country when we couldn't use the same drinking fountain or sit at the same table and i'm i rejoice that our country is way beyond that we look back now we're like wow that was crazy you know slavery was crazy that we did that i can't believe we did that um and to think now that we're just past it and it's one of those things where it's like well none of the people that are around today were actually part of slavery so why are we even talking about this issue anymore like that kind of sentiment really doesn't understand the true depth of what has happened in terms of the insidious racism in the system that we have. And for us to just be honest about it is a great first step to just say, you know what? It's not as great as it can be. We should be looking to make things better. And for somebody, and I know a lot of culture Um, has gotten so frustrated that we can't talk about things and people won't take us seriously. I know that's what I'm hearing from the sentiment that this song is created from. This is America. You know what? We can't even talk about the issues that are going on. We need to make a spectacle of it to to even bring up these issues. We have to make a spectacle to be taken seriously. To have the need to protest things at all in a way, it's like a bummer that you have to make this spectacle for people to even take you seriously, that there's not a place at the table where we can sit down and have honest conversations and get to conclusions that are better for everybody and make purposeful change for a better future. No, we need to you know, make this ridiculous thing. 
And that to me is one thing, but I love that somebody has taken the time to make this artistic piece that is not just a, a you know shock and awe type of a thing. Like there are aspects of that, but it's really a purposeful, creative expression that's pointing at deeper truths that if we're honest and if we're willing and if we have enough courage as a people that we can peel back the layers of this and really dive in and we don't have to be afraid. You know, I would love for people that are listening and for African-American people and our, our black friends to hear this and for us to be able to have a dialogue and to not feel like we're going to get beat up for bringing it up and that people are going to be excited to have conversations and about things that matter because lives matter and I, we believe that black lives matter. And, and I think Andrew did a great job of saying all this stuff. Uh, maybe the, the motives and the system and the way that they have handled things hasn't been that great, but just the basic and simple idea that, that black lives matter and that people matter and African-American culture matters to us. And, you know, pe- young men that are typecast as villains and gangsters and are, uh, you know, mistakenly shot by police, this is an issue that is something that we should take seriously as a people and that we should work towards inventive solutions because that's really what America should be. Yeah, and at this point there's so many there's so many issues that it's like there's I think like John had said it, just acknowledging it is a start, but there's a lot of pushback to even that. You know, like I still hear a lot of times where you know white people will want to say like there is no more racism. There's not that's not a thing anymore. Like why why can't black people just get over it already? Like what's stuff like that, you know, like that that sentiment comes up a lot. And for me, that's like so obviously missing the point. And I, and and probably a lot of ignorance mixed into that. So like even like we've discussed with some of the the discrepant numbers of arrests and uh like the prison population, the, the percentage of people that are, you know, incarcerated uh that are black well, over even, white is crazy. Even the idea, and I'll go as far as to say like the 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 slogan of make America great again, like was America great for all people in all time. You know, if you're a ever. native American, ever at any point, if you're a native history, American yeah, yeah. person and you hear the slogan, let's make America great again. What do you think about? Or if you're an African American female and you hear, let's make America great again. And you have slavery in your family line. What does that mean? Exactly. That's where we think about it in a, this sense of oh, America and its industrial state and everything's good and we're ha- progress and all this stuff. But there, to every good thing, there's always like this inverse of that wherever there was progress and gain, it's like it wasn't always without a cost. And sometimes the cost was at other people's expense. And even just acknowledging that and saying, we love America and we love what America has gone through and we wouldn't have the America we have now without all this, the, stri- the, the trials and the struggle 
and the decisions that we made. Like we were even talking the other day that if we were to go back uh, to the president at the time uh, who had the um, atomic bomb, and we were to say, you know, uh, and and beat him up for that decision, we couldn't do that. And in all honesty, with all the information that he had at the time, he tried to make the best decision of what was best for America, and it was a hard one. And a lot of people were hurt in the process of that. And it's not really our role to go back and critique, but in a way, it's like, if we were to have that same decision now, would we have done something different? Would we? Can we look to where we're at now as Americans and say, I think we've learned some things, Yeah, you know, yeah. like w- America was good before, but like it can, and it was great, but it can be better and it can be more inclusive for people and it can be more loving and it can be, have more opportunities for more people. And that can be a good thing. And that doesn't mean that we have to sacrifice things. Like I hear people say that we have to sacrifice capitalism to like, make a way for people to have an honest opportunity. And it's like, I don't think that those are mutual exclusive. Like we can be creative and innovative enough to where we can tackle problems. Like there are kids that are going to high school this very week and that are going hungry. And Mm -hmm. we've got people that are scared to walk down the street (laughs) because of the color of their skin. And there's mothers and sons and fathers that are having conversations with their kids about, how to act in front of police because there's a danger that they could be caught up in violence or mistaken for somebody else. Like those type of things, do we have to sacrifice like the art honoring our troops? And do we have to sacrifice um, our capitalist system? You know, like do we have to sacrifice all the good stuff to make life better for other people? Like I'm, I'm skeptical. I think that we're, the ingenuity of America and the brilliance of coming together and all these different cultures together and all these different heads, if we were to all point in towards the way of solutions to these things, I think that we can get there and we can, we can find a way to get along better. So I want to reiterate like a little bit because I'm hearing us the more we talk about this going into like a little bit of it could be misinterpreted as like chronological snobbery. So we definitely want to say that the past generations of American leaders have been wonderful and they've also been very problematic in equal measure that our current leadership is wonderful and also very problematic. And it's just kind of the way that humans are. And nobody's perfect. We understand that. So, and it can be very easy to look back in hindsight and say, man, there was all sorts of problems and just point them out. Uh, And instead of doing that, it's important to say, okay, we, we look back and we give grace to the leaders and of, you know, the country and the framers of the constitution and all that. And the, the, you know, early colonizers, like we give grace to them and in all of that, And yet we also look back with honesty 
and say, you know, there, there are a lot of problems that were caused by decisions that they made. And at this point, it, now we look back and we've got a lot of data and we, we can see the world that's, that we're living in as a result of that. And so where do we go from here? And in order to, to see that, I think you have to look back with some honesty instead of this rosy colored glasses, like, again, to that statement, make America great again. It's like how powerful words are. If you were to just say, make America great, it's a very mm-hmm. different statement that I'm all in for. Yeah. You add, make America great again. And all of a sudden, you are just posing that there is a time where America was great and it no longer is that. And mm-hmm. at no point is that acceptable in our history as America. Fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at no point was America great for everyone. And therefore, there, there's changes. We're not going back to any system that we went, that we went to. We're like, America's not going back. We're going forward. We're going into a new thing. And what... What we decisions that we make now are going to help that. So there's no going back. We're not going back to when it was great because it wasn't. We're going on to something else. But what is that something else? So that's a bigger question. And I think as we look at an honest look at the 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 life um, that's available to white culture right now, and the life that's available to the majority of white culture, and the life that's available to the majority of, of black culture, it's vastly different still. And that's not acceptable. And if you don't see that, if you don't have data that in your life that, that is showing you that, you're, you might be living in a bubble of a, a little bit of an echo chamber that's just your viewpoints that are telling you your viewpoints again. Um, because it there's such clear understanding at this point and data to back it up. We might pepper some numbers in here for people if, mm-hmm. you know, or like link some stuff in the bio. Maybe we'll do that to make it, um, to show our work a little bit on that. But, um, I mean, I was even just watching something just like yesterday about, again, the the mortgage inequality between white and black people and how literally our John had mentioned that we're not segregated in terms of like, we can sit at the same counters and everything, but we literally can't live in the same subdivision still in a lot of places. And like, there's clearly black communities and white communities that are like divided over very specific lines that Mm -hmm. the mortgage and the lending system perpetuated for a couple decades in the in or more really and it, it's still at this point like we're just kind of coming out of that a little bit but it's still there like it we still live in that that system and if we think that wealth isn't equated to freedom then i think you're like a little bit naive like if if you someone is constantly forced to to not own property and rent and is never able to walk out of that and get a mortgage and uh, like all the things that we would associate with the American dream. Owning a house is like one of the first things usually, good, bad, or ugly. It's kind of like that's one of those benchmarks of wealth creating as you are able to you know build equity in a house and then maybe sell it and build, work your way up. And that's how families get more wealthy if they're you know wise. And that has been ripped away from a giant percentage of the population. Mm -hmm. And we look at it and we're like, but why can't we just get over slavery already? Like, can't we just get over that? It's like, no, because there's a huge problem still. Like, we can't even live in the the same neighborhood. You know, like, that's, that's a problem still, you know? And 
of course it's changing slowly, but it it's it is very slowly. And if you look at the line, like that, there's really no way um, to to make that right on paper, and even in our lifetimes, it's like we're going to live in a in a world that's still very unfair in the in the advantage of of white people. Like even the same, I have the same, you know, credentials going into a job interview, and it's like. I'm going to look better to an employer if the majority of the company is a very white culture company that's, you know, or whatever. Like there, there's just all these different factors. And some people will be like, well, you know, that's where you get into um, affirmative action of like the same person, the two people that are qualified for the same job. And there was like rulings where like there has to be a certain percentage of the company that fulfills the cultural stuff. So that can give somebody a leg up you know, if they're a minority and the company needs minority hires or whatever, I, I know stuff like that, that, or for college tuitions, like it's I know the same that thing. we have solid statistics to say that you have a better chance of getting a job if your name is Andrew or John than it would be if your name was Muhammad or you know uh, Monique or you know Malika or something like that. If you have a more white sounding name then you have a higher percentage chance of getting a job. Statistically, like empirical fact <laughs> that that names that sound more, you know, uh, waspy, you're going to get a better shot at a job. And, you know, I want to say, though, I want to say this as well, that we had a lot of reservation about doing this podcast. And we had a lot of reservation about doing other podcasts that maybe we'll release before this and maybe we won't about empowering women for a lot of the same reasons that there's so much backlash that comes from doing it. And there's there's like honestly hatred that is poured out. If you want to go after the in like the oppression, when you try to address the oppression, there's like hatred that comes on you yeah um and it's really bizarre and we had all these reservations and we thought you know maybe we just don't do something let's tackle some easier topics that maybe we understand better that are more you know applicable to us type of a thing um but we felt like it really is on the the role of the oppressor to free the oppressed and as the majority in terms of opportunities so like we're white men so we have like a lot of opportunities you know we believe that there is something to white privilege and that we have opportunities that other people don't and so maybe if we speak out about it we can be part of the solution and in a lot of ways, it was difficult for us to do that, but, you know, we we thought in the same... So Andrew mentioned chronological snobbery or the idea that we look down at previous generations and f- say that we're all that, you know? And I look back at where I was at 10 years ago. So if you just pause for a moment and think about your viewpoints and your opinions and the things you were passionate about 10 years ago... And you, if you were to interview yourself and the things that you were passionate about, would you still believe those things? Or would you say, oh man, I was wrong about this and I was wrong about that, or I miss, I missed the point about this thing or that. Uh, for most of us, 
Hopefully, you've grown over the past five, 10 years, even the past year or 20 or 30 years. Hopefully, you've grown in these marked ways that you can look back and say, you know what, I'm a better person today than I was yesterday, and I know more now, and maybe I wouldn't have done the same decisions, maybe I would, but knowing what I know now, I'm going to do my best to make better decisions and keep growing and keep making things better. And I think about this in terms of what America is and who America is. And I look back and a lot of things that we did, we did a lot of good in the world. Like there's no doubt that America has tried to be a force for good. At its essence, we have tried. Maybe we didn't go about it the right ways, and we made mistakes in, in certain areas and how we did that, and we're not perfect. But I think all Americans want to do good in the world. And so looking forward, despite all the mistakes that we've made and the things that we've done, I want to look forward to th- something that's better. And I look at where we're at now, and I... I just was talking to Andrew and I was like, we need to approach this with confidence now and speak about the revelation that we have now in that we need to take the comments that African-American culture, some of the frustrations that are boiling up, and we need to mention them and acknowledge them and say, we hear you, we see you, we value you, we want to be part of the solution in any way that we can. And we wanted to go on record and say, you know what, this is something that that we believe in, and if we get 20, 30 years down the line and say, you know what, you know, we, we made mistakes in certain areas and we wanted to grow, you know, then that's fine. But we wanted to say right now, mm-hmm. in the state of culture, we didn't want to waste any more time, and we wanted to say, you know what, we're going to point out oppression when we see it, and we want to be part of a liberating force that is the Spirit of God, yeah. That just as the way that God liberated those in slavery in Egypt, that and I'm glad that we've liberated slavery in America, but uh, any residue, we want to continue to liberate. Yeah, Amen. And that's that's hard. We realize that it's it's this is a big battle. This is a big thing. That's complete. Like we're not naive enough to think that it's all on us either to do it, but we definitely want to lend our voices to it, and we want to say we're hearing the the other side i think um because it's not the other side it's our side you know like mm-hmm. our church is filled with with black people and and different cultures than us and different viewpoints than us and different ages than us and different all these things like that's that's kind of who we are is that we want to do life with people we want to uh to be able to love our neighbors well and and lay down our lives for people like christ love, lay down his life for people so that's that's part of the heart posture that we have. So um, even as we continue this dialogue, that this is not going to be the only time we talk about this, I'm sure. Um, but as we keep that dialogue going for anybody that, because at times we're going to use humor to talk about this as well and, and a lot of other uncomfortable things. And I think that it's, and we may even just talk about humor in general as, as mm-hmm. one. Um, that's something that is kind of brewing. But um, so here, here are our hearts in that. Like even as you hear the humor that it's it's from a place that says, you know what, we can actually joke about this stuff and we can say that this is an injustice as we laugh about the injustice as well and doesn't condone the stuff and it, you know, all of that. So I think that it's important. 
This is America came out. The first thought I had, I don't know about you, John, but one of the first things that I thought about is a song called Miss America, M-I-S-S, America, you know, um, by David Byrne, who, fun fact, we're going to see mm-hmm. shortly because he's awesome and doesn't tour nearly enough. Yeah. Um, so we're pumped about that. He's the, He was the lead singer of The Talking Heads, in case you're not familiar, and his kind of very successful solo career as well. Yes, very fascinating guy. Um, and some of the lyrics are just like, it, it, it reminds me of a similar tone from a different perspective, of course, uh, than, than Donald Glover. But it's like, so even just some of the lyrics, I love America, her secret's safe with me. I know her wicked ways, the parts you never see. I love America, but boy, can she be cruel. I know how tall she is without her platform shoes. I'm going to have to censor myself because some of these lyrics get a little dirty fast. Uh, But (laughs) I miss America and sometimes she does too. And sometimes I think of her while she is blanking you. (laughs) Censor, sensory overload. Um, But the idea to me is like, it's got this strange beauty of like, actually loving America and saying, and then it talks about her. Like, so this, the chorus is like, Oh, Supergirl, you'll be my supermodel. Although you have a reputation. Can I afford, are you above my station? I'm not the only heart you've conquered. And he changes the lyrics a little bit for the chorus, but um, it's essentially, it's like this Miss American pageant of uh, like analogy of America. And that it's, it's this beautiful spectacle of what, we think America is and it's beautiful and elegant and all these things, but it's also like hiding all of this insidious stuff. Like any beauty pageant is it's like really a disgusting practice. I don't, I'm sorry if there's any beauty pageant fans out there listening to this, but to me, I, I find it to be a little gross. Uh, the act of a beauty pageant, you know, especially for kids and stuff, it seems real weird, but even for adults where you're just like, it seems like such a personification of, objectifying women, honestly, uh, that it's, it, I don't understand it, but it's, it seems like that by the way, shows uh, America. The Miss America pageant just announced yesterday that they're scrapping their swimsuit part of the program. Oh the man. Yeah. That just happened. Sweet. Um, Good for them. So they're taking they a step oh, away from stuff. objectifying yeah, I, women. I was like, I, I, in all fairness, they did. Okay. Just Good. Say. That's good. That's good. Okay. Well, Awesome. So there will no longer be a swimsuit portion of the Miss America pageant. Now we'll just judge them for what they look like in dresses. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I had to go there. Okay. So, but this song to me is like, it, I think that it's it, back to even This Is America, the song. 
it's it's got these these moments where it's like we just want to dance and have fun and avoid dealing with stuff like this. Like really, that's like mm-hmm. the culture, and I don't think that's just, just black culture. I think that's pop culture in general. Yeah, we want to get away. Like we still like talk about putting our money where our mouth is. Like where there's a there's a verse that says where your where your treasure is, there your heart is. And we spend more money on entertainment than on pretty much anything else. Like we still know that, like that's one of the big injustices, right? You've probably heard people say like, you know, we we barely pay school teachers and police officers and firefighters and, and you know, these occupations. And yet we spend millions on a guy who can hit a ball or throw a ball or, you know, a woman who looks really good in a swimsuit, you know, like these kinds of things, actors, all this stuff. And and I, I love, I love sports. I love act, you know, film and all that. But the, the point is we, we, there's a big discrepancy of how much we value that with our money and we value entertainment more than anything. We really value looking away from pain and from the real things that are going on. And, and it's unfortunate because when we avoid things like that, when we just entertain ourselves, we really we rob ourselves of being able to do the work of God, no matter who we are. I, I think the the work of God is, and it can be entertaining. It can be from an entertaining point. So I'm not negating that, um, but I, I do think that if we look at what the problems are and discuss them and actually walk towards that and value that even just a little bit more than we have previously with finances and with how we spend. So like back to like maybe a more practical takeaway for us, because it can feel like, well, what do we do with this thing? But it's like, Mm -hmm. man, I can give my money to causes a little bit more, just a little bit more than I give money to entertainment, you know? Like maybe we can spend a, a month or two without Netflix, heaven forbid, and like give money towards a charity for that month or something. You know, like there's, I think there's little things that all of us can do where we're, we're really not. And that's like, I'm putting myself in the mix with that as well. Cause I mean, I haven't canceled Netflix anytime mm-hmm. recently because she, yeah. but. And some people aren't ready to cancel Netflix. Yeah. No, um, I'm, nor am I no, really. But yeah. I think another way, which I think that that's a great point, you know. Um, and I think another thing to add is we can all do a better job at being empathetic about somebody else's experiences and somebody else's experience in life and know that I'm viewing the world and I'm viewing America and I'm viewing um, our culture through a lens, a very particular lens that makes up not just the color of my skin and my gender and those basic things, but also like my experiences and where I was raised and the type of values that I was taught and instructed about. And I'm bringing all of these things to the table. And these are so influential over the way that I behave and my awareness of how the world is. And so I shouldn't assume that anybody else is coming from exactly the same place that I am because nobody has walked in my shoes and seen the type of things that I have and done the things that I've done. So the easiest thing that we can all start to do is when we speak to other people and when we observe their behavior, instead of going from a place of judgment, of automatically assuming that they're playing by the same rules that we're playing by or that they are 
understanding the same things that we are or viewing the world in the same way that we can acknowledge, I don't understand exactly where somebody else is coming from. When somebody cuts me off in traffic and I get upset, I don't understand what their struggle is or where they're going or what their experience has been or when somebody's rude to me or when a waitress is not nice to me or whatever the thing is that bothers you, that we can stop and say, I don't exactly understand the perspective of this person, but I hope for an opportunity to say, show me what you mean by that. Show me where you're coming from. Show me what your experience is and show me what things are important to you and help me understand. And if we can start from a place of help me understand why dot, 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 instead of I'm so sick of so-and-so doing this, or I'm so sick of this people group doing this, or I'm so sick of the media talking about this. Instead, if we said, help me understand to every person that we met and that we got to sit down with and talk to, and we intentionally reached out to people that were different than us and said, help me understand, I'm sure that we would be immediately on track for a brighter future. So well put. Yeah, that's that's gold. That being said, the media is a big old steaming dumpster fire. <laughs> 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 and I can say that because I sympathize for them. I, I understand that the world is getting better. Fact. Prove me wrong, people. The world is actually getting better in so many ways. It's ridiculous. Look up the yeah, numbers. Show me the numbers. Look at the numbers at the this numbers. thing. It's amazing how much better the world is getting. The world is getting better every day. And it's fascinating that we watch the media and it can be really hard to see that. But it's also like I sympathize. I can say that, yeah, they're a big steaming dumpster fire, the media. But it's also a, a lot of people... That are, I mean, I love so many media outlets and I, I get, you know, fuel in my life from them. I get data from them and I understand that newsworthy things are really things that are usually negative. Like that is what makes news. Um, and that's just the way that it works. So if we understand that they're just pointing at things that happen and that making us aware of them, that doesn't mean that every day there's a kid that's getting shot in a school or that every day, you know, like in every state that you hear about something like that, you're not hearing about all the other states that that didn't happen in. You know what I mean? Like that that type of thing. Um, and when, when you can kind of look with those eyes, it, it becomes like the world can be okay. Like, yes, there's a big race problem. There's a big old race problem in the world, but the world is getting better. And the race problem is actually getting better if we continue to steer in that direction. I mean, you can always go in the wrong direction with that. And I think that that's part of why we're having this conversation is that we're hearing voices that are a little concerned that maybe we're not going in the right direction because of our leadership in this country and uh, and statements that get made. We'll talk about that maybe more other in another time. But I think what we're saying overall is yes. Like John said, help me understand exactly. But if you believe the best in people, like I believe that our leadership is trying to do the best. I do. I think as much as sometimes it hurts me to say the words out loud, I do think Trump is doing the best he can. And 
he, it's, he's doing the best he can and that's good. You know, and I believe he's like wholeheartedly wanted this position to make things better mm-hmm. and make the, the country better as, as the way he sees that. I think there are probably a lot of things that are problematic with how he sees it, but his heart is, I think, in generally in a, in a good place. Um, and same thing with a lot of leaders where I, I need to, to look at um, both sides and say, okay, both of these people are, are, are trying to make things right, you know, or trying to do the best they can. So uh, to, for me to just throw shade at them, uh, it doesn't help the situation. Instead, it's more about, okay, how can I understand? How can I see this from, from our perspective, we'll say, you know, from heaven's perspective, from God's perspective, what is God doing in this thing is, is very helpful for us because that immediately takes it into a place that our own opinions and feelings and baggage don't carry as much weight anymore. Instead, it's, it's kind of like, okay, how is this, how how is this helping us get better? How is this helping everybody look more like Christ? All That's to all say I have to say that. about that. <laughs> <laughs> so do you guys need a joke or something? Is everybody going to survive? At the end of the day, hopefully all of our, our white supremacist friends can calm down. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I don't have many of those. Uh, but And hopefully all of our black friends are, are, aren't don't punch us for not saying all the right stuff the right way, too. Um, we, we're just we're trying to have the dialogue as best as we can. Um, it hurts us that we don't get to have guests on right now. Like we really haven't set this up in that style, uh, this show. So, um, we might, we've, we've discussed at times, like maybe going to that more, but so far we really wanted to just kind of get people familiar with who we are and, uh, start, start some kind of concepts going and some, a, a dialogue going about things that we care about before we do that. Um, but it would be so awesome to have, some black friends in on this. And then, you know, even the the episode about empowering women, having some women in on it. And, you know, it's, it's such uh, a a breath of fresh air to hear the dialogue like that instead of hearing it. Cause we still feel like at the end of the day, we are a little limited to just discussing things from our vantage point. Um, I mean, we're completely limited to that actually. So Mm -hmm. that, that is a problem, but it's also something that um, we feel that, we do have a perspective that's that's worth sharing, and uh, so we're we, we just want to let our identities and our beliefs and all that thing, all that kind of, come out now, and then as we start to bring people in, maybe it'll be helpful for you, in in the discussions that we have, maybe with other people, you'll you'll know who we are better first up front, you know, for sure. So we love you, we appreciate you for listening, and. Please don't send us hate mail. Amen. Thanks for joining us on the Reed Brothers Podcast. Make sure to like, comment, and share. We appreciate your support. We'll see you next time.
I literally just caught myself <laughs> saying not to say that. Oh, goodbye, people of both genders yes. and sexes and whatever. Oh. Grace and peace to you. <laughs> <laughs>